Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion, brought to you by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. Make sure you follow them online at Broken Drift Productions and at AZ Banana Bros for all your family-friendly content. I'm here today, and with me, as always, are my lovely co-hosts, my wife, and uh, co-podcaster Heather Weber. Heather, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. And our friend and comedian from Canada, reporting from her car today, uh, we have the lovely, the talented, the hilarious Susan Thompson. Susan, how are you doing up there? Hi. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Don't uh, don't melt in the car. That's very important. Oh, good. It's 112. It's good. Okay, perfect, perfect. And our guest today, uh, she uh, is an Instagram influencer. She's also a model. She's also a singer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Lauren Barrero. Lauren, how you doing? I am, I think I said it, I'm here. here. I'm doing. Here, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what we kind of went over. That's always like, you know, whenever I'm not doing good and someone asks me how I'm doing and I don't want to get into it, but I also don't want to lie to them. I'm just like, I'm alive, man. I made it today. Like I'm here, <laughs> I'm present, you know? Uh, so right on. Well, I appreciate that you came on the podcast because we are doing our series about anxiety and panic disorders, uh, something that is near and dear to my heart because I too uh, have suffered from anxiety and panic disorders. So I know exactly how exhilarating they are. It's a great way to raise your heart rate for sure. Um, so cardio. I know, right? It really is. What has been your experience uh, with your anxiety? Was there a certain point in your life where it really started to spike and you started to become aware of it? Like, that's always kind of where we like to start yeah. with people. Like, when were you like, this is like a thing? Yeah. So um, it was back, back in my 20s. Um, I think I was probably like 20, 21, and I had just changed my major and all of like these life broke up with my first boyfriend all of these things and it was going on stage um i sang in my college acapella group and i was going on stage and just could not breathe and i was like i think i'm having an asthma attack and went to the doctor and and being like i'm a trained classical singer i naturally have greater lung capacity than most people so they did all these asthma tests and they're like oh it's fine it's just we'll give you an inhaler and these asthma attacks, quote unquote, would come over and over again. And I was handling and uh, yeah, so it turns out inhalers, not so great for panic attacks. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> no. Yeah, it. yeah. And so basically it was, you know, it, it, I mean, what was that? 10, 12 years ago, we weren't talking about anxiety at, like, like that at all. So all these doctors were just like, oh, it's just asthma. You're getting used to the allergies. It's fine. And, um, you know, it was just, and I, I never correlated that it was like all these big changes in my life. Also early twenties, your hormones are here, there and everywhere. And, um, that was a big thing. And for me, it was like, uh, I had trained to be an opera singer, started taking classical lessons when I was 11. Um, and at that sophomore year of college at the school that I went to, they, they have a, a jury. So a test that you have to go and sing into, and you move on to your junior year, you get held back and I passed it, but I wasn't moved on to my junior year. And I had a voice teacher 
And it's always when you're in the arts, there's always that one teacher. And she said, you know, I really, I really think that maybe you should, this isn't for you. This is, you should probably look into doing something else. And uh, yeah, that's so that's like the exact, no, not at all. And I had been doing it for 10 years. Like my only dream was to be an opera singer. Um, And that's probably the exact moment the anxiety started that. I mean, understand. Oh, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah, right. Seriously, wow. man. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is she still working? Is she still working? Because I'd love to meet her. She, I, I, I've learned over the years to give her a lot of grace and forgiveness. She was like a tough old broad that sang in Germany and Austria and had never taught an 18-year-old before. So she is used to teaching like older grad students and a little bit of tough love and like I was like a baby and had never lived away from home. And, and she taught me like a 23 year old and the di- age difference and mental capacity between 18 and 23 are so, so different. So having her, that's, I mean, yeah, she's, I still to this day, I don't do a lot of singing anymore. And I say it's because music's the most abusive relationship I've ever been in. And it's, it's all because of her. Oh, <laughs> I mean, all- welcome to the entertainment say the industry. Same about, uh, I was going to say my <laughs> You want to chime in on that? I mean, yeah, yeah that's just, we've, we're comics, so we're used to the abuse now. I mean, yeah. we just, when we take the smacks, well, we're like, you hit like a bitch. Like, I mean, just, <laughs> we're ready for round two, three, all the way to 45. We're not okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's just interesting to me that she, it, it, you were able to process that it seemed like this wasn't really her area. Like she had an expertise in the field. This specific area wasn't her thing though. And instead of her realizing that she's like, yeah, you should just not do this anymore. Well, like, later, there's no way later. this is me. So here's the actual uh, mind bleep. Uh, years later, I came back to school. I had left school and I, I came back and wanted, I was going to prove it to her. And I was going to come back and I asked her if I could be in her studio again. And I knocked on the door and the first thing she said was, so have you figured out you're just supposed to sing yet? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the mother in me is going crazy at the moment. I'm just like, "Mm." yeah. So that's, I mean, a large part of my anxiety comes from obviously like music and growing up. And then as I've gotten older i grew up with divorced parents i've i've recognized a large like where that anxiety comes from fear of abandonment and, and all of those things and um you know obviously sitting in therapy so it's been good to do that and recognize my triggers but um yeah i would say that the the very first panic attack anxiety comes from good old shirley yeah oh, fucking shirley man yeah that'll do it <laughs> That'll do it. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I feel like there's a lot of figures in people's lives that will like trigger anxiety in people because it's just, yeah. it's such a terrible thing to say. I mean, just in jet, like, hey, I know your dreams, fuck them. So yeah, you're going to be just like, <laughs> but this is all my shit. Like this, this is what I do. This is a part of, yeah. and we attach so much of our identity to those things that we do that we're just like, no, this is what I can give the people that brings me joy and you're just like yeah. shitting on it and so yeah that makes sense so okay and then they gave you the inhaler which is dumb because then it's just like oh great now i can breathe out twice as much air three times as fast this is wonderful <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so that's ill-advised. And so I at what like point- legitimately remember using that inhaler like on the side of the stage, like getting, like trying to get air down. And that's like, never, and inhaler's never good for anxiety either because then people yeah. give you shit for using the inhaler. They're like, dork. And you're like, no, like this isn't helping. <laughs> so, so yeah, man, that's rough. Um, so was there a certain thing in that we have the inhaler and everything. Was there anything that led to, did you see a therapist? Like what was the cause to action where it's like, okay, now we're finally starting to address the actual issue. How long did it take before that happened? Years. Again, like, no, we weren't talking about it. So I, you know, I stopped the inhaler. I kind of figured out what was happening. I, I started hearing, we started having those conversations about mental health and anxiety and things like that. Um, and I think that, like I said, I left college. I'm, I did what all mentally healthy people do. I dropped out of school after four years and moved across the country to live with a boy that I had met three months before. Um, <laughs> casual. Hey, hey, that sounds like someone I know. Yeah, and so I, uh, <laughs> and I, then recognized it was in living with somebody else that and living with him that I recognized like I can't go on a trip unless I make four lists and I can't do this unless I do like I, and I was recognizing all these little anxiety patterns and and started to to talk to people and talk about it and talk to my mom about it who we are a very I'm half quarter my mom's Puerto Rican we are a very prideful people and you know we don't talk about mental health at all but and starting to talk to her, recognizing some of those patterns from when I was a kid and her mental health issues and like she was hiding it from from us. So she, it, it became very apparent where she was like, maybe you should start seeing somebody. Maybe you should talk to this with someone. I always did it. She put us in therapy as kids. <laughs> like, but like therapy in the fourth grade is like playing connect four with your therapist and then trying to like make it listen. It's like the movie Jack, right? Or I mean, yeah. uh, he's just trying to, uh, he's working with him. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. a lot like that. Oh, Susan died. Um, see, told you, <laughs> the car, it was all good until the phone dropped. Yeah. Um, no. uh, right, so you mentioned uh, the stigmas in Puerto Rican culture on mental health. I'm always fascinated about different cultures and their views on people's emotional things. Cause I mean, it's, we're still at the point in the United States yeah. where we're actually starting to talk to it now because there's still so many people like, ah, that person's crazy. Uh, and yeah. we're trying to hopefully with this podcast, walk people to like, no, nah, that person's having a mental health crisis and they probably need help right now. And you probably should do something constructive instead of being a dick. Like, so uh, what were some of the things in Puerto Rican culture that they would say if anybody's having an anxiety attack or some type of mental health crisis and happening, or they're just like, hey, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Like, yeah, we don't talk about it. Like, there's just something to talk about. It's done. Drink some water. You'll be fine. Yeah, it's done. We don't talk they about it. it. It doesn't. I mean, with my, like I said, with my mom and having her deal with certain things um, herself, it's a different conversation. Um, my dad is Cuban, so I've got kind of both sides. And my mm. dad is now very much on his side. He's very much just like, do what you need to do to take care of you, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's just like supportive, but like, it's just not talked about at all um you know I, I think it's starting to be but it's difficult um I lived with my grandparents last year in 2019 for a little bit and 
or yeah, they both have dementia and things like that. And, and so I realized after having never lived with my family in 13 years that we talk and my family and in Puerto Rican culture, if volumes at a one to 10 conversations at a 12, like mm -hmm. it is a constant. So how, how anybody walks out without anxiety, I haven't figured that out. <laughs> but it's like, it's just like, oh, I didn't realize all of these, like I said, all of these like little toxic things, these little things that I'm like, oh, obviously I have anxiety and panic disorder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's similar to Miles's family. Same thing. Very, very loud family. And so, yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. it's such a breeding ground Italian. for me. Yeah, I got the Italian side. So I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. yeah, so same. that's, yeah, it's just loud. That's just how they communicate. And I, when I started doing comedy in my the early ass 20s, uh, I was just going around the country and I was like, oh, you're just not supposed to talk to people this way. I had no idea. I'm so sorry. What? I mean, you yeah. don't just yell obscenities at each other. That's not, <laughs> what? Is this a new what? thing? Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, well, my family, we all talk at that level, but also we, we my, they got to the States at a time where everything was about assimilation. So we talk at this level with family, but like if you're, anyone else is around, we're all down here and we're all, you know, keep up with the Joneses, nobody needs to see anything. And so um, I think that that also, you know, sitting in therapy, talking with my therapist, where my anxiety is, is I have a big personality and I'm not going to keep up with the Joneses and I'm going to say what I say, no matter where I am, I don't care. And, and I'm learning at 33 to be big and bold and, and not let that anxiety and that self and that guilt and everything uh, control me in public and with people. And I'm going through a divorce and I'm learning to do that in dating. So meeting new people constantly, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Most anxiety inducing thing. <laughs> so fine everything's fine i'm i'm here it's fine we're here right i know one yeah. day at a time right one day yeah. at a time. for sure yeah it's it's definitely hard to navigate yeah yeah well and i'd imagine it was also just harder for you to navigate when your family's going from high to low extremes and you just trying to figure out like well when is this okay when is this okay why am i supposed to do this and trying to navigate that yeah child too just seems extremely hard to do yeah yeah, because I mean, at least I, at my side, it was just they didn't give a fuck about other people. <laughs> so they were just like, no, this is just how we are. If you don't like it, get away. And then everyone left. And I'm like, I, I probably need a friend or two or four like in this lifetime. <laughs> so I'm actually going to I'm going to go. I'm going to go that way, you know, yeah. just sneak out very easily. So, yeah. So having those that's a lot to like pay attention to and regulate when you've got mm -hmm. such a high volume all the and then like oh this is what so you've got to especially because you said it was to do with other people so if other people were around there was an appearance that needed to be kept up so the volume comes down so then you're just kind of on this hyper aware of like when is the conversation going to fall yeah. off the cliff so that way you're not the person still yelling being like but i have an infection or something yeah. that's like i don't want to be yelling this when people and come around the corner and it doesn't help. I mean, it helped growing up that it was my mom, my brother and I in the house pretty much all the time. And my mom is that person that's all about image and everything. My brother's a fucking musical theater actor. So it's like the two of us are like, hello, my baby. Hello, constantly. <laughs> we'll just sing through the anxiety. 
it's gonna be fine everything's a performance <laughs> and then like people were around and my mom was like no dirty knees keep your dress clean and we're like okay now we stop like it was yeah no dirty knees that's that's oh, such an no. ang- that's such an anxious thing to tell a person <laughs> Just, what does that even mean no dirty knees i'd be so like, self-conscious yeah we were yeah, very like, like what's happening yeah yeah, I was oh, like, wow. and, and it just cracks me up now because my brother's an actor in New York and I'm out here in LA. My mom's like, I don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand, you you really don't understand? Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to be around me. I said everything wrong and I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. It's but funny, families are funny. Like, yeah. God, like you can get away, from, like you can pick your friends, you can't pick your family. That seems to yeah. be big thing with so many of us and we love them but i can i can totally understand why people don't want to go home for christmas or easter and all that kind of stuff like no it's too much yeah. it makes sense yes like, what do you do like what do you do to kind of when you're in that state now like how do you bring yourself back or like how do you continue to communicate with family i i probably talk i'm i'm not bad i probably talk to my mom every like two to three weeks like it's a quick okay. Okay. A quick check-in. And if I go home, I've learned to be pretty blunt about, I've learned to be like, this is causing me anxiety. I'm going upstairs and leaving. And like, I'm just like, I could have this panic attack in front of everybody because this is causing me anxiety or I'm going to remove myself from the situation. <laughs> and my, and it took a lot of years to be able to learn how to do that and say that and you know, I'll come back and nicely apologize and everything, but like, there's, I just, I have, you know how everyone has that one uncle? I have that one uncle and he, like, even just his name, thinking about it is giving me a little bit of anxiety, right? And so, uh, love him, but when he's at family things, I'm like, I'll, I'll be in my room. <laughs> so I just remove myself from it. Yeah. Maybe not the most healthy coping mechanism to just like stay away from it, but that's what I've I've learned in the last ten years is I just identify triggers, deal with my triggers, and either remove myself from them, avoid them. I'm not. I haven't been. I was medicated for a few years. I haven't been medicated in that's a while that's a while while, yeah 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 you had the usually if it's the or a pause we're like okay this could be a little bit you had both and so i'm like oh yeah it's been you know i i do have that i had the like xanax prescription for the occasional xanax when i would feel something come on but yeah i haven't been consistently medicated in a very very long time but that's huge. And I mean, I feel like a lot of that comes from you setting boundaries with people. Cause we talk about that a lot on here. Just like it's so healthy and important to <clears throat> set boundaries with people, places, whatever you need to set them with just to look after yourself. So I wouldn't yeah. think that it wasn't a nice thing to do on your end. I think it was you taking care of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the boundaries are the main thing, especially with family. You know, if you really want to be able to have a healthy relationship, exclusively with your family those boundaries are the big thing and uh i think i saw it it on the internet somewhere i mean it was like setting boundaries isn't me trying to like stop having a relationship with you i'm trying to continue 
to have yeah. a relationship with you. So that's what these boundaries are in set place for. And so, yeah, setting those boundaries, it's really, really difficult, but it's very super, it's super important with your family to set those boundaries. I had to set them with my parents and everything. And my mom respected them. I was not surprised that my dad couldn't do any one of them. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well then you don't get to get in homie. That's just what this is. These are really easy. They're not hard. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think those boundaries are super crucial. And so, yeah, good on you for being able to establish those boundaries be like, hey, this is what's going on with me right now. I got to handle it. So I'm going to go ahead and handle it. So it's not your problem. I'm not putting it on you, but just I'm going to deal with this. And then to come back afterwards, after you've kind of come down from being the Hulk to be like, hey, well, my bad, you know, sorry, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, if you had to describe a panic attack to someone who had never even heard of it before, like what would you say to paint that picture? That's the thing I'm always curious. It's different for everybody. Mm, that's a good one. For me, so for me, like I said, I am I am a trained opera singer. I'm used to having way more lung capacity than most people, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it feels like I can't get a breath past maybe the middle of my chest. That's what it, it feels like I've got, I'm so used to having all of this breath and I can't, and I try and I try and it just gets stuck and stuck. And it almost, it feels like it creates like a ball in my chest, but it takes over my chest. And then I've passed out from them. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are fun. Really? Right. Who did, did you yeah. come to on your own or did someone find you? Um, someone found me. My, my ex-husband was, probably like the best at my panic attacks he was a fucking champ at them um and and i love him for it to this day to be able it's one of those scary things for me living by myself now that i like what if this happens i don't have someone here to find me or or get me or anything but i've you know i've also had that like very movie magic like slide down the slide down the wall <laughs> but those are usually when i feel like i can't get the air that's when i know it's a panic attack and that's when i know that maybe i do need that xanax if i have it or i do need to ask for the help or do need like i can kind of finagle my way I, my anxiety attacks are a different beast that kind of manifests in two different ways but the but panic ones is just i feel like i just can't which is Hence them thinking I needed an inhaler. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because it's like the, it's the shortness of the breath and the quit. Mm -hmm. Like I, I describe it to people like if you had like a new, terrifying thing scaring you every half a second. Oh yeah, and, that's a good one. And because like you're just overtly shocked by everything. And so it just feels like, oh, this is just never going to stop. I'm just going yeah. to short circuit and then eventually yeah. just shake myself into because I've passed out from them too. years ago when we were living in L.A. I, I my wife was gone. Heather was gone and uh, she came back and found me on the floor and thought I was dead. So, yeah, yeah. it's a lot <laughs> for sure. Yeah. People don't understand. Not at all. Yeah. And then, like I say, my anxiety attacks. I always know I'm having an anxiety attack when I feel like I need to crawl under a table. <laughs> That's always when I'm like, man, now we like, I like go into like turtle mode. <laughs> like, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just keep thinking of the, I, I keep thinking of like the Boy Meets World episode when they did the flashback to where there was a bomb happening in the classroom, like flash, and then they all get <laughs> under the table. So yeah. that's just what it is. It's like, oh yeah. no, the Russians! Like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's always they're a little bit different, and those I can handle. You know, like panic attack is for me is such a physical response. My anxiety attacks, I I can at least I do the five things I can see, four things I can feel, that whole thing. I do the go for a walk, go for a run, get outside. Like I can figure out. Explain the five things uh, to people because I know what you're talking about, but I don't think uh, commoners without anxiety uh, (laughs) understand what you're talking about. So explain that. Yeah, it's a it's just it's a grounding method. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's when you're feeling that anxiety coming on, you know, becoming present in yourself, becoming present in your body and, and where you're at again. So it's sitting there and think and seeing and counting five things that you can see. I do four things you can feel three things you can. It's like here, two things you can taste one thing you could like it's just counting it down and, and just being present in the moment present in your space again and and also kind of taking your just taking your mind off of whatever's creating that anxiety at that time it's really nice way to calm down sometimes i just do it just in meditation or like to get into meditation um to put myself and ground myself where i need to be i love that yeah i'd never heard of that so i love that that's awesome wow. i haven't yeah. heard of that either that's amazing that's yeah awesome. <laughs> it's it's a great way to like she said you got to come back to this moment because usually like i mean the panic like she's saying is more of a physical reaction the anxiety tends to start from like a mental thought that just kind of went on its own you know so it just ran and so you need to come back to right now because usually if it's anxiety there's no well that for me that was something because heather you were taking a, a, a a psychology class and they had like the definition of like an anxiety disorder in there. And the definition was what really clicked a perspective in my head that changed my thinking on it. And it said something to the effect of like um, fearing something without the presence of any actual clear danger. Like, and it was just like, it seems silly to, silly to me when I read it. Cause I'm just like, well, yeah. Cause you're just panicking about this this worry movie in your head and so the best thing is to try and stop the movie homie like leave the theater come back to here where everything's okay so i got it uh printed on my tattooed on my forearm it says here and now breathe and relax so anytime i start to get too unwound i'm like it's right here okay i think i I got the cheat code right here so i'll be okay because yeah come back to the moment my lavender is my calm down tattoo <laughs> there we go. Same arm. Yep. Perfect. So yeah, <laughs> we both got a cheat sheet right here. Just to... see, that's how you know you got true anxiety. It's like, where's your tattoo to calm you down? Man, all right, I know what I'm doing. There you go. <laughs> I'm so, telling you, something cool. on the wrist is good. Just something to get a little peek, and it really helps because I'll get in my feels, and then I look down, and I'm like, you idiot! It's come on, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah the way to go yeah Yeah, so yeah i and i was saying like even now it's exactly what you're saying for my anxiety it's i can see letter a and i will get to letter z in (laughs) and nothing of and i mean none of that actually was happening 
and that's uh yeah but it's just the the speed at which you get from a to z right it's like oh i'm gonna you don't even understand how fast i'm gonna breach these letters okay (laughs) you're still trying to spit out your first excuse to why this could go poorly i'm already at w like let's go so yeah because it just everything and i think now we've kind of used that uh you know my Heather and I, we use the method where we like poke holes in our writing to try and like make sure that everything's airtight. But that's always been a thing with my anxiety that I suffered from in my twenties was, oh, here's everything that could go wrong in this possible situation. And so I would just cower in fear at all of the holes I've poked in the situation. And now later in life have developed the skill to be able to plug in myself. All right, well, if this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. Here we go. I've got 40 plans for the possible thing. So that way I could just try and ninja chop them down as they come. So yeah, and that cognitive behavior therapy, which is like one of the tricks like you were just talking about, just all these different techniques to try and like talk yourself down, bring yourself back to center, be here right now, be logical about the situation, detach yourself from it. Yeah, it's super duper helpful. Yeah, and I hate being that like woo-woo person. like there is a significant difference in my anxiety and if i'm having anxiety attacks if i'm eating a certain way if i'm not exercising like my they make fun of me at work because i'm up at five in the morning and i'm at the gym at six and i like call one of my sales partners on the way and i have to and they're like it is insane that you work out that early and i was like i work in a i work in staffing which post pandemic getting people jobs right now it's a very stressful job and if i don't work out before work i'm gonna have a shitty day i'm gonna have an anxiety ridden day i'm not gonna be able to get through the day and so like i like i don't ever want to be that person that's like eat well exercise but that's literally what's helped why i haven't been medicated for five years uh is been that uh, I, hate no. me. I hate pushing that shit on people. It's okay. <laughs> it's my job. I'll push it for you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, funny she's how all... looking after, but it's it's perfect because looking after yourself does have positive benefits aside from just physical. It yeah. helps everything. And can I notice how much different I am if I'm not working out? Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you have the saying, you are what you eat. And if you eat shit, you're going to feel like shit. You know, nobody's like, oh, I was really energized off that burger I just had. Said nobody ever. So, yeah, no, no. I had shake shack for lunch. I was down. We we had a deep fried chicken sandwich. So, I mean, we're right there with it. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're, but uh, yeah, I mean, and I think every mental health professional we've talked to has said something about what's your diet like, you know, what's your sleep like? I mean, just how you're taking care of the vessel you're in plays such a huge impact on your mental health you know being able to do things the way you want to be able to do them physically that's a good thing so i mean it definitely does help that's it's it's all a part of it for sure um is there if you had to speak to somebody who was close to somebody who had an anxiety (laughs) or panic disorder what would you say to those people that the person that they love with the anxiety disorder needs most? Like what advice would you give them as far as something they could do that's really, really helpful? Um, I actually had a follower ask me this and I said, hold space and let them know that you're holding space for them. I don't think, my mom has tried to like handle my anxiety, right? And being up my ass more, which makes me have more anxiety. (laughs) And then 
And like I said, my ex-husband was a champ because I knew that he knew what was going on. And if I could come in, if I, he held space where I could say, Hey, I'm having really bad anxiety right now. Can we do this? Or can I have some, like, I can't talk to you or something like that. I think just letting someone dealing with, I mean, I, I deal with depression as well. And I have two best friends or one best friend that has bipolar disorder. And, you know, I think in general, when we're, well, I also think we all attract each other, right? <laughs> I think in general, just letting them know or letting the people you love know that like, I get it. I'm here. The space is open and I'm not going to judge you for it um, is pretty much going to be the biggest thing. That way, you know, I know that so-and-so is not going to have the immediate solution for my anxiety. I don't want a solution. I want to kind of feel the anxiety sometimes. I want to like move through it and, and figure it out on my own, recognize my trigger, recognize, like I do all of that a lot of times on my own, but I need the extra help. I want to know who I can go to. For sure. No, and that's, that's so important. I feel like we've talked about that countless times, but yeah, just the, the no judgment space, I think is the biggest thing. Cause we're so worried about what everybody else is going to think and because of the stigma on mental health. So I think just mm-hmm. having that core group of people that, you know, like no judgment, I can say whatever, do whatever, and it's still going to be okay on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think particularly with anxiety, and this is something that I'm working through with my therapist right now with anxiety. And I'm sure Miles, you'll agree. So much of it is based in self-judgment and constant self-judgment that to know that there's another space that you can go to where there is no judgment. Cause I'm already judging myself through the entire, I'm judging myself for why I was triggered for how I'm acting during it, for how I how am I gonna uh, apologize after? Even when I like re- do those things where I remove myself, there's still that anxiety. Like you know, I gotta like, go downstairs after that. And, it's <laughs> it's the it's it. the anxiety loop, right? It's you yeah. get I I hate that I hate myself right now. Like I hate yeah. that, it, and and it's just like all right now it's just eating the tail. Like you're never gonna get out of this cycle. That's just yeah that yeah that's the, and because that's an endless kind of never-ending cycle to get out of where you're just upset at yourself for feeling the way that you feel yeah that's just constant self-judgment that's my it's my new journey in therapy so (laughs) i hope that that works that's a fun little one to go through super cash yeah (laughs) (laughs) a little light lifting on tuesday who 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 cares right did it on my lunch hour and ran a meeting right after it's okay (laughs) totally fine i was like it's time management anxiety and a tiny small box time management yeah 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 Yeah. it's as long as people don't check our fingers for tears like really that's because we're always i'm okay i'm okay (laughs) just because they're always like right down here it's like don't look at my hands it's fine no i'll use my pinkies for this meeting this will be okay um so right (laughs) any uh questions before we go for lauren ladies any else ones um, oh, that was, oh, not me. Go for it, Heather. Sorry. Yeah. Um, with your triggers, were you kind of already aware of what your triggers were or did your therapist kind of help you see those? I, I, a mix of both. Mm-hmm. There are certain ones where for me, one of my biggest triggers is communication. If I feel like I am not 
properly communicating what I want to say and someone's just like not understanding what I want to say or if someone's not giving me the communication that I'm expecting back, that's a huge trigger for me. And that's one that I kind of just figured out on my own. And one that while being married was real easy to figure out. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, but there's been others, uh, like my therapist has definitely sat and been like, why, why are you feeling this way? What do you think it is? dating now right dealing with ghosting and texting and doing and whatever and she's like so what's this like what is triggering that response that you're immediately thinking these things and I'm just like oh okay so it's been a mix of both I'm uh been on a serious journey lately of a lot of meditation a lot of journaling all of that uh and and so sitting with myself has been probably the best way to figure some of those out that's the way to go yeah journaling medita- journaling is the one that's always uh it's weird that it helps yeah you know, I, I always enter any type of journal and i just don't do it nearly enough but anytime i enter it i'm just like this is so stupid what am i doing like why why am i this is just ridiculous and then afterwards i'm always just like that was great i'm so that was probably needed it's just some yeah. way of release yeah yeah yeah, the release, I think for anxiety in particular, the release, like when I'm mm-hmm. in a depressive state, journaling is not the thing that I want to do, or like not the thing that I feel like is what will help me. No. So. For sure. For sure. sure. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, I know Susan's got a high tail to a show. So, uh, Lauren, I want to thank you so much yeah, for being on the podcast with us today. This is great. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. I enjoyed it very much, guys. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so before we go, tell folks where they can follow you online and all that fun stuff. We do it with everybody, but just done. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, you can find me on Instagram at at l o l o b a r r e i r o uh proceed with caution that's (laughs) and um that's kind of where i'm at now we're expanding i'm actually uh miles has hit me up enough times about actually singing and we are we're working on the vocal reel in the next couple weeks and doing i'm gonna do the getting an agent doing the whole la thing finally so hey Fuck yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the anxiety. Yeah, because you're a very good singer, and I know I've known other women in my life who were extremely talented singers, and for whatever reason, there was like a major rejection or something that happened. I know a friend who was a very talented singer, and they got rejected by like American Idol and never recovered from it. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. them. What do they know? Like so, so yeah. Anytime <laughs> I can like usher an actually talented person back and like, no, they're an idiot. They, they, they probably do stupid shit behind closed doors. Yeah. This is where the, the action's at. So yeah, no, I'm glad that it's working out for you doing the thing. That's awesome. So we're gonna see. So there'll be, there'll be new socials soon. Perfect, right on. Right. Oh yeah, I know there'll be another one in all of them. And oh yeah, I'm sure. So right on. Well, that's great. Um, you can always follow me at Miles Wilbur Joker on all the things. Heather, where can they follow you? Bodies by Heather. Bodies underscore by underscore Heather. And Susan, where can the folks find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Susan Thompson Haha, or you can find me at SusanThompson.net. Perfect. Right on. Well, uh, we appreciate you watching. Like and subscribe. We'll see you next time. I'm Miles Weber. I'm Heather Weber. Susan Thompson. All righty. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good night. Goodbye. Good night.